Welcome to Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. My name is Matthew Tilly, and I'm the pastor of McConnell Road Baptist, and we're glad that you've joined us for this podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org. But Job 3, uh, in your Bibles, uh, in Stokes County, we pronounce it Job, Job 3. You know, we're not quite as learned as you folks are down here. But Job chapter 3, <clears throat> we're going to look at the last two verses. Job is such an interesting character. Uh, Job, we can say this, was a very good man. Uh, and the reason we say that is not because of what he said about himself, but because of what God said about him that he was a man that feared God, he skewed evil. Uh, matter of fact, he was a man that would really stand out as far as morality was concerned. And he was a blessed man. And I, I think we could use the terms, he was a godly man. <clears throat> and as uh, far as we know, there was not any, now I'm sure that he was a sinner because all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So uh, he was a sinner, but we don't know of any distinct or specific or great sin that would have brought him into the position to deserve what it is that came in his life and the, the, the treatment or the way that God permitted him to be treated. Uh, sometimes we can't find seemingly justification for that. And he did suffer and he suffered much. He suffered personally. He suffered loss of income. He suffered when it comes to sickness and there was death within his own house, the loss of his ten children. And there were so many negative things that happened. And just generally speaking, you would think, this man was a really big sinner. But I guess I could stop and make this statement. Things happen. Things happen in life. Things happen in life that we cannot explain. Things happen in life we do not understand. Things happen in life that we feel that we do not deserve. Things happen to others that we feel that uh, they do not deserve. Things happen sometimes and we see good people suffer and evil people get by and we, we wonder about that and we think about that. But Job in these two verses makes a statement that we want to look at tonight and I hope it will be a help to you. In verse 25, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quite, yet trouble came. And that's a fact. Trouble comes. It will come no matter who you may be. And he says, the thing I greatly feared. All of us live our lives, and, and I know we ought not to fear. Nobody ought to be afraid. But the fact is, all of us are afraid of some things. You can say, well, I'm superhero Christian. I'm not afraid of anything. And you'd make a false statement if you'd make that. All of us do have our fears. And we live our life sometimes, maybe in a lack of faith or lack of trust of the Lord. And maybe we fear things that we ought not to fear, but we do have fear. Uh, all of our life, we fear getting sick. We know it's going to happen. We fear death, but it's going to happen. I'm just saying that things that in our life are going to come. And we have a fear of those things. And we live sometimes in a dread, just knowing that these things are going to transpire. And we just we kind of try to push them out of our mind. Let's not think about them. 
but it doesn't change reality. It's going to happen. And so what Job does here, he says, the thing I greatly feared happened in my life. It came to pass. And, and of course, as we look at that, it brought grief. This man had a lot of grief. Grief is part of life. Grief is a terrible thing, but grief sometimes is that which we need to do that will help us heal. But I don't like to see people grieve over loss. And Job, he experienced that. He had many questions in his life. And I don't see him asking so many of those questions, but he had to have those in his mind. Why is this happening to me? Why? Why am I sick? Or why did my children die? Job, he loved his children. He made sacrifice for them. And all ten of his children evidently died at one time. And all that which he had worked for, he lost. And I'm sure that he had questions. Why is this going on? I don't understand it. All of us have questions why. Maybe we ought not to ask them. But you say, preacher, I never asked the question why. I'm going to tell you something. I believe you're not telling the truth. You're fibbing just a little bit. Sometimes we want to know why. Why is it that our children suffer and others get by? Why is it that this happens to me? Why is this going on? I don't know the experience. Why? And so he's asking, and he had a lot of questions, and there was misunderstanding. He experienced that. And you say, well, what kind of misunderstanding? His friends came. He had three friends. I don't know how good of friends they were, but they came. And they began to tell him, you know something, Job? You are a great sinner. And what it was, it was a confusing, confusing conversation. If we do wrong and we're saved, God the Holy Spirit will speak to us through the Word of God and clearly make it known. But Job is trying to figure out, and there's confusion in his life because he cannot get a handle on what it is that they're saying. And they just keep on and on and on. See, sometimes you think you know something but you don't know something. Sometimes we judge the motivation of people and we miss it when we judge them because we don't know the circumstances. We don't know what's going on behind the scene. You know, sometimes it'd do us good if we didn't talk quite as much. Somebody said, I got one amen or to get more than that tonight. Sometimes we're talking way too much. And, and Job, right, there's a misunderstanding. His friends, they kind of muddied the water. But through it all, through everything in the life of Job, God did not forsake him. And I don't know where you're at in life tonight as a child of God, but God will never, ever forsake you. He will never leave you. He is always your friend. He will always be your Savior if he is your Savior now. And he saved you from your sins, and he's blessing you and helping you, and he will not forsake you. And Job learned that out. And through it all, Job did not quit on God. I was thinking one day, thinking one day, and I thought about life. It's like sunrise and then their sunset. Sunrise comes when that baby comes into this world, and we've had a lot of experience with babies. Somebody's talking about how many girls we had. We have three girls. We, have, we have, really have two girls in Vanessa. Y'all understand, don't you? We have five boys, and they, come, they all had a sunrise, in that they were born in this world and they began their journey. But there's a sunset that comes for everybody. There is sunrise, there is sunset. I am much closer to the sunset than I am the sunrise. And after the sunset for the child of God, when we leave this world, we know everything's going to be okay. When we draw our last breath, the next minute will be the best minute we'll ever have as far as experience. When we see Him and we see the place and we experience the reality of a change that takes place that is dynamic. 
It's going to be a great, great experience. So there is sunrise or sunset. After sunset, it's all right. But between the two, sunrise and sunset, there are so many things that can happen in our life. But I know one thing. I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that I am a child of God. I know, what was it, 62 years ago that God saved me and I know that I have a Savior in Jesus Christ and I know that God loves me. And I need to know that during sunrise and sunset. After sunset, everything's going to take care of itself. But during the experience that we have in this life, there's so many things that happen. Three things I want to mention tonight. During this time, during this experience between sunrise and sunset, we need a source of strength. We need something to encourage us, to strengthen us. And there's so many things that I could say right here. And, and, and I, I, sometimes I'm at a loss of words. When people call me, I'm at a loss of words. When I was a young man or young preacher, I thought I had to have an answer for everything. Every time there was a death, <clears throat> I thought I had to have an answer, and I had to fix the problem and fix the grief. And I found out after just a short time that I did not have the ability. I was not the source of strength that some people needed. But there is a source of strength that we have that God has given us, and sometimes we, we need to rally around that. I, I thought about family. Family. Family is a wonderful thing. If you have a good family, you ought to thank God for it. If God has given you children, you ought to thank Him for it. And the immediate family is a wonderful experience, and God binds us together. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his flesh, and they shall be one flesh. So God gives us a family. And during the course of life, one of the greatest sources of strength we'll ever have is the family. But you say, preacher, my family's not perfect. Mine neither. I have Vanessa. You understand? That our family is not perfect, but God gives us a bond. There, there's a kinship there, and so God gives us a family. And there's another thing we look at. God gives us a family of a church. When we get saved, we ought to join a church. We ought to be a part of a local assembly, and being part of a local assembly, we ought to be there. We need each other. The source of strength we have is each other. We understand each other. We may not understand everything about each other, but we understand each other. We, we serve the same God. We have the same Savior. We read out of the same book. We're headed to the same place. We enjoy a lot of the same things. We enjoy fellowship one with another. What I'm saying, we need a source of strength, and God has given us that source in the family. Then friends. You say, preacher, I don't have any friends. Sure you do. I, I see friends right here. You have friends. You probably have friends beyond this. But there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother, and I believe his name is Jesus Christ. Not only a Savior, but he is a friend. And in this life, we need a source of strength. And the source of strength would be friends. We've got to have friendships. Another thing that's a source of strength is familiarity with this book right here. Being familiar with it. See, when you're in pro uh, trouble and you're having a problem, you need to have such a familiarity with this book right here that immediately, immediately, a verse comes to you that will comfort you and quiet you. 
There is not anything quite like this in all of the world, like the Word of God. And as we learn it, that's why preachers preach it. That's why Sunday school teachers teach it. That's why we read it. That's why we put it uh, to memory so that we can draw it back. It's like a well of living water that when we're going through things such as Job went through, there is a source of strength we have, which is the precious Word of God. How many times in the midnight hour have you wakened with a fear? Maybe you're facing something. But then there's the quietness that comes when you just remember. It may not be but one verse. This is a, the living book right here. And God can take this book and make it ready for our heart and help us and teach us and bless us and settle us and give us all the comfort we need. I'm just saying that we need a source of strength between sunrise and sunset. See, Job said, what has happened in my life? I feared that something like this might happen because all of us live in these kinds of fear. And you don't know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen? When I first moved where I'm at now, about 27, 28 years ago, there is a volunteer fire department that uh, was just less than about a quarter of a mile, less than a quarter of a mile from the house. And at that point in time, to uh, call, I guess, the firemen in and the EMS, ever who they got, they had a big siren. Now, they have since removed that. Thank the Lord for that. They've gone to another system. And that thing would go off, and it sounded like it was screaming right through the bedroom. And you don't know how annoying that is about 2 o'clock in the morning. I mean, you're sleeping soundly, and you're waking to the sound of that. But after the first couple of times, I got to thinking, somebody's in trouble. Somebody's in need. And when I would lay there, I would think about that and think about someone that needed something, and I actually would pray. Pray, Lord, help this individual. I don't know what's going on. It could be a heart attack, or it could be an automobile accident. It could be a house on fire. It could be something very negative. And see, the thing of it is, people have problems, and you don't know what's going to happen next. At 2 o'clock in the morning when the phone rings, uh, you cringe. You never get good news at 2 o'clock in the morning. If you do, you are really unusual and got an unusual family. I mean, if my family wants to give me good news, don't call me at 2 o'clock because it won't be good news. Huh? But when you hear your things, you, you, you live your life with this fear and this dread as Job talked about it not knowing what you're going to face, but knowing that we will face it, knowing that things will come, we need a source of strength. Secondly, the thing we need, there needs to be submission to God. We need to learn to trust in God a lot. That was a good day in my life. Now, I've been saved a long time, and I know that I'm saved. I know that I've believed. I know in whom I have believed. I am confident in Him. But this thing of trust is a growing walk that we have. We learn to trust Him in life. And I, I, I have found out through the last years that some things are too big for me. Some things are too hard for me. Some things I cannot figure out. Some things I do not understand. And I'm just like Job in certain areas. And what I've learned is I have learned that I have to trust in God and have the ability to learn to turn some things over to God. There's some things I can't fix. I wish I could fix everything. 
I wish I could fix everyone's problems. I wish I could fix all my grandkids' problems. I wish I could do that. I cannot do that. I do not have the ability to do that. So what I have to learn in my life is I have to trust them to God. I have to trust God to do what needs to be done in their lives. And you've got to learn that in this world, living the life that we live, knowing that between sunrise and sunset there's going to be negative things to happen. You better learn quickly to trust God and to leave it to God and know that God has the answer for everything. God loves us. Think about that just a minute. And no matter what we're facing, God's not working in our life to hurt us. God doesn't hate us. He loves us. And everything that God does in our life or in any way that He works, He works through a spirit of love. This is proven by Calvary. When you look back to the cross, you can see the extent of God's love, the greatness of God's love that He was willing to send His Son, His only Son, and to give Him a sacrifice for you. Now that's love. And He was willing to die for you, and that God that loved you that much, now Jesus Christ is your Savior. He loved you, and He will never, ever try to hurt you. You say, well, Job was hurt. Not the intention of God to hurt Job. I don't understand all of it was, but I know what happened in the life of Job has been a blessing to thousands and thousands and thousands of people when we see his faith and see how it is that God intervened in his life. I'm just seeing that, saying there's got to be submission to God between sunrise and sunset because a lot of things that we fear are going to happen. You know, he's a good God. God's a good God. He's given me much more than I deserve. He's been better to me than what I deserve. We know that all things work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. So God is good and what He's doing has to be under the umbrella of goodness even though we do not understand it. And no matter how dark a night may be in your life, Always believe, trust God, and trust that He loves you. He does not hate you. He does not want to hurt you. And no matter what it may be, He's trying to make you a blessing to someone else. I was talking to a lady this past week, and she's suffering something, and it's, and it's bad. It's really bad. Things that most all of us will suffer, and some of you have suffered, maybe some suffering now, going through something. And I've talked with her several times. <clears throat> and she made this statement. She said, you know, if God would heal me, God would heal me. I could be such a blessing to people. And what she made was a factual statement. She could be. She could be. And God may do it. He does that. God may do it. In other words, she said, I can be such a blessing to other people. And God can show his goodness if he'll just do that. And uh, she has a really upbeat spirit about her. And I believe, you know, God, God may do it. God may do it. But I thought as she was speaking, you know, God can use you now. God can use you sick. God can use you and show his goodness through your life in giving you grace. And manifesting that grace. See, when I read the story of Job, 
I see that God has the ability to sustain an individual no matter what the case may be. I learn I can trust him. And what I wanted to tell that lady was this, listen, God, God can do good things right now. I know she couldn't see that. It's hard sometimes. You ever heard the saying, it's hard to see the forest for the trees? It is true. And you say, well, I'll tell you one thing. I get sick, I'm just going to shout my way to heaven. You might, you might not. When you get sick, you don't feel like shouting. But what I'm saying is that between sunrise and sunset, we've got to learn to submit ourselves to God, to trust Him, because God is good. He wants to do that, which is good in our life. We may not understand it, but what He may be doing is making us a blessing to someone else. What's God going to do? Is God going to rain $100 bills out of heaven? Is he going to rain chocolate milkshakes? That'd be good, wouldn't it? How many of you like chocolate milkshakes? Bunch of sinners in here. He's not, he's not going to show his goodness. And that way, the way that he shows his goodness is by manifesting his grace in the life of one of his children so that thereby others can learn about the strength and the ability and the wonder of his grace and the sustaining ability that he has to sustain his children through his grace. So what I see in times like this between sunrise and sunset, we don't have to worry about after sunset. After this thing is over, we're going to be with the Lord. But between that period, those two goalposts, we've got to learn. To, we need a source of strength. We need to submit ourselves to God. But the third thing we need, we need it. We need it now. We need a Savior. I got to thinking about that one day. We need something that will give us eternal hope. See, we don't know at what time or what point in this life that we're going to be called home. We don't know whether we'll live a few years or we'll live many years. We just don't know. But while we're between sunrise and sunset, the thing of it is we need to get the matter of salvation settled in our heart. We need a present Savior. We need one right now. We need the security that He can bring. We need to know that we know that we know that we're a child of God. We need to have that thing settled and settled right now. We need to know we're going to heaven. We need to know that Jesus lives with us. We need to know that heaven's our home. Talking to someone sometimes, and I mentioned this from the pulpit several times, they say you can't know you're saved. Well, then I ask you a question. How do I then know that I'm saved? Because I know I'm saved. Well, why do I know that I'm saved? If you can't know it, I know I'm saved because I'm not basing upon who I am, but upon who Jesus Christ is. But we need a Savior. And I believe everything that is indicated from the Scripture that Job knew God. He knew God. We need something to... To, that would preserve us from everlasting judgment. See, when we come into this world, it is true that we must be born again if we're going to heaven. And we need to get that settled at an early, early age that will preserve us from judgment. That which awaits all of mankind. I don't know. Listen, folks. It'd be hard for me to rest right now. I came down the road a while ago, and the older I get, the less I like to drive on 40. I have reached <clears throat> that magic age, folks, to where I take the back roads. Any of you there yet? Man, I drive the back roads. I get out there because, number one, I'm going to kind of wobble all over the road. I've got to where the age I'm trying to look at everything. But I was coming down 40 a while ago, and I thought, well, I I'm getting old. I think I'll just set my uh, cruise about 5 to 10 mile an hour above the speed limit. My car was a rocking when they come around. 
And I looked at somebody, where are you going? Wonder where they're going. They in a hurry to get nowhere. I was as content as a bullfrog in the farmer's pond, headed to church, knowing that my sins were forgiven, knowing that Jesus Christ was my Savior, knowing that heaven was my home, and if it was sunset, if it came today, that everything was all right, it'll be all right then because it's all right now. And we need a Savior. And we've got to have Him. Rescue us from everlasting death. See, to be rescued simply means that there is an elimination of the sins, the thing that stands between us and heaven's sin. He doesn't save us in our sins. He saves us from our sins. But there's one that has the ability to do that, and it's Jesus. <laughs> Job was a good man, but Job was not a perfect man. Job was probably a far better man than I am or any of you other men, <laughs> you ladies as well. But all of us have sin. You know, you say, Preacher, do you have any skeletons in your closet? Well, why don't you stay out of my closet? That closet wasn't built for you, it was built for me. I mean, the best person in here has sins in the past. Man, there's things I've said, there's things I've done. There's things I thought I, I wish that, that, you know, Never said them, never done them, never thought them. And I can't do anything about it. But I know one that can. And if I thought in my life that I had to face these things in eternity, I would be just bummed out. I'd live my life in continual fear and frustration, not knowing what's at the end. But when I met Jesus and he became my Savior, he took all those sins away. And I'll never have to face one of those sins. They're forever gone. They're gone. And we need to have that and know that we need a Savior with somewhere between sunrise and sunset. And it's better to receive Him at a younger age so you can miss a lot of things. But we need a Savior. We need that penalty of sin removed. And Jesus can do that. We've got to have a Savior. And the only Savior there is, is Jesus Christ. We ought to make a lot of Jesus. We make a lot of things, and sometimes even in preachers, sometimes as a pastor, a preacher, I, I want to preach everything but Jesus Christ. And I guess there's one thing I really liked about Charles Haddon Spurgeon in reading his messages, is no matter where the, he took his text, it could have been in the Old Testament or New Testament, anywhere else, he always made a beeline for Jesus Christ. And he preached Jesus. Because Jesus is what we need in this present situation between sunrise and sunset. We don't know what's going to happen. See, I have those fears. You have those fears. When are we going to get that bad news? When are we going to get that bad phone call? When's this going to happen? When's that going to happen? When are we going to get that call? that one of our grandchildren has been in an automobile accident. And of course, I worry about that. Harrison, the way he drives. Uh, you got those grandkids, not bad drivers, they're just bad drivers. You got them. Don't know when you're going to hear news, grandkid or great-grandkid. You know, 
my wife, when she'd leave the house, and uh, she'd be gone, and I hear, I hear an emergency vehicle. I, it bothers me. It bothers me. And sometimes I call her, and she don't know why I call. And I just want to make sure it's not her. He said, well, you don't trust God. Well, I do the best I can to trust Him. I learn to trust Him more. But I know that He's my Savior, and I know that He's her Savior. And I know that between sunrise and sunset, we need Him, but He's available to all. And He can settle the question of sin in your life. See, to live life at its fullest, and to enjoy it, and to be free from Fretting this beyond the norm or fear that we ought to have just to kind of be free of that. We need some help. We need to be familiar with this book right here. We need to learn to trust our God. And we need Jesus Christ as Savior in our life. How many of you know you're going to heaven? I think about it every day now. There's not a day goes by now that I don't think about going to heaven. Not a day. I'm not stretching that. I'm not embellishing. I am stating a fact. As a matter of fact, I guess that I think more about going to heaven now in any day than I do anything else. Maybe it's because I'm getting older. I don't know. And lately I've become consumed with thoughts of people and I sure would like to see them. Sure would. And I want to live my life as I approach the sunset with a security and a joy and a manifestation of God's grace in my life that I can leave that with my family, that God is real. And that we don't, we don't have to live in fear even though we know things are going to come because we have a better place to go to. You got loved ones you'd like to see. Or have you got that point in your life yet that makes sunset not look all that bad? I have a sister that was born dead. The only, I was the only child. Uh, two years after I was born, my mom gave birth to a little girl named Carol Jean. And uh, of course she didn't live. She's still born. You say, well, she didn't have a soul. You can tell that to whoever you want to, but she did have a soul. And she's with the Lord. You say, what does she look like? I don't know. I doubt she's pretty as me. But you know, I think about that a lot. I never had a sister. And just the thought, and I know I'm rambling here a little bit, but just the thought that before long I'm going to get to see her. Can you imagine that? I'm going to get to see her and see my parents. I, you know, I hope a lot of my kin that went on before, <clears throat> I want, one person I really want to see is my grandmother. I really want to see her, my grandmother. My grandma Byerly, I called her. And she died in 1967. And I'd love to see her. Got a picture of her on my desk. I'd love to see her. Her husband, which is my grandpa, died on January the 1st, 1929. His name was John Henry Byerly. 
and I spent a lot of time thinking, trying to research and find everything I can about him. He was 40 years old when he died. You know, I don't even know where John Henry saved or not. I never heard anybody say. I sure do hope he is saved because I'd like to see John Henry. The same year he died, six months later, my daddy was born. <coughs> my daddy was born six months after his daddy died. And the same month my daddy was born, my grandma's oldest son was killed in a car wreck three weeks after my daddy was born. I thought of this, this week I've been thinking about how hard a life my grandmother had. But she was such a godly woman through it all. Never complained. She wasn't like me. I'd have complained every day, wouldn't you? But we've got to learn to trust, submit ourselves to God in every phase and aspect of life. Amen? Amen. Glad you come. Glad you're here. When, when, and, of course, you know, <clears throat> Matthew may be listening now, but he knows how I did today. But when he comes back, y'all lie and tell him I've done really good, all right? Yeah. <laughs> and tell Vanessa that she'd have been more fortunate if she'd been more like me, huh? But I'm glad that you're here. May the Lord bless you. I'm going to pray, and then the brother's going to come. Father, how wonderful you are. Job was a man that was given to so many problems and troubles and fears. And I know he's not that much different from any of us. It just seems that he suffered more things. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to understand that if we can familiarize ourselves with your word and learn to trust you, that maybe during these times that come that we are so afraid of, Lord, that there will be more contentment as we try to bear those things and experience your grace and see your hand and see your work. And Lord, give us the assurance, and I know that you have most of these that are here tonight, that when sunset finally comes, that everything's all right because we have a Savior. It's taken care of the sin problem and forever will be with us. And we thank you for that for us in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here. But if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at McConnell Road Baptist dot o-r-g